You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this top three Thursday episode here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. Got a fun episode for you today. We're going to start off with the recent reports of Russell Wilson trade talks. The Saints have been quote-unquote mentioned, but what does that really mean? We'll talk more about the possibility as well. Would you make a trade for Russell Wilson? I certainly would, but at what price? We'll talk about that to open up the show then. Sometimes things are so exciting that you can't simply wait until the specific programming that you made to discuss them. So we're going to dive in on Purdue wide receiver Rondell Moore, who has recently met with the Saints Per Justin Mello, our good friend from Mello Mondays, we'll talk about how he fits the prototype of a non-prototypical Saints wide receiver draft pick. It'll all make sense when we talk about it, I promise. Then we'll wrap up the show with our top three Thursday. I thought that it might be a little bit more fun to, instead of looking at top three run plays, we'll look at top three player trades in the Sean Payton era since trade talk is in the air. Teddy Bridgewater, Eli Apple, Brandon Cooks, who all makes the list. We'll break it down for our top three Thursday to wrap up today's episode. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. So the New Orleans Saints have been named as a possible landing spot for Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. Let's talk about what it what this actually means, what really led to this moment, and what could potentially happen next. So let's start off with what this actually means. What this means is not that the Saints are actively engaged in trade talks, at least not publicly, right? We're not getting reports that the Saints and the Seahawks are engaged in trade talks and that talks are ongoing or or anything like that. That is not what this report is. This report is instead that the Saints are one of the preferred landing spots according to sources around what Russell Wilson's camp has told the Seattle Seahawks. There are a few teams that are actually named in the midst of this. It's not just the New Orleans Saints, but a few other teams as well. The Jets, the Dolphins, and the Raiders have all also been linked to this report. So how did we get to this point to where all of a sudden the idea of Russell Wilson being a New Orleans Saint isn't entirely crazy anymore like it was, say, last offseason when we sort of visited this topic? Well, uh, apparently the big issue has been the offensive line. And these are reports that we have seen for quite some time. There's also a new report that came out today that was cataloged at theathletic.com. They've done some really great work on all this cataloging this entire situation. Russell Wilson apparently went in before the week I believe it was week 11 game against the the Thursday night game up against the uh, the Arizona Cardinals, which the Seahawks did win 28 to 21. But before the game went to Pete Carroll and kind of wanted to talk a little bit about fixing the offense, all of his ideas reportedly were dismissed and Russell, quote unquote, stormed out of the meeting. So that was kind of maybe the catalyst or not really the catalyst, but that was one of the boiling, the tipping points so far that we have seen in a 
uh, sort of series of tipping points because the next one came with the Super Bowl to where Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, Russell Wilson, of course, had just won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, went to Tampa, picked up his award, watched the game in the suite with Sierra as well as with uh, Roger Goodell, which must have been incredibly awkward. But anyway, uh, during that time, he was texting his former teammate and uh, quarterback coach, letting him know that he was kind of frustrated, sort of venting a little bit, according to the reports, to him about offensive line play in particular because offensive line play was such a huge part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl win. Hard to watch that as a quarterback that ain't got no offensive line and not have something to say about it, right? So after that, he went again to the Seattle Seahawks, to their facility, or or at least into a meeting with coaching staff and such, and mentioned that he wanted to know what the plan was to fix the offensive line. And either He wasn't given an outline of what that plan is or the plan was not to his liking. And that is part of what has led us to this point, to the point where he went on the Dan Patrick show and kind of talked about how he wants to be more involved in the decision making process. He wants the offensive line to be to be fixed, the the Jason LaConforna report, as well as these reports that are also coming from the athletics. So you're not just getting it from JLC. It's more than that. So there's actual smoke here, y'all. There's actual smoke here that Russell Wilson could potentially be moved and reportedly, reportedly, it could happen in the near future, which could literally mean anything. Now let's talk about the last part of this equation is what could potentially happen next and what it means for the New Orleans Saints. Now, remember that there was uh, a an asking price, quote unquote, that was rumored about uh, quite a bit of three first round picks. The thing to keep in mind about that is that the rumored first asking price is hardly ever what the team actually gets. Certainly that can happen. And when you have players like Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, who are generational talents, then you know maybe you do get that first asking price. But if you look around the NFL, Carson Wentz, his asking price was much higher than what was actually received. They didn't even actually get a formal first round pick. They got a third round, a second round pick next year that might turn into a first round pick. The Stafford trade ended up changing because of the terms of the deal and taking on Jared Goff's contract, things like that. So hardly ever do we hear this is what the asking price is, and then that actually be what the terms of the agreement are, right? So let's keep that in mind. However, I've said before, and I'll say it again, if the Saints traded their their first first round picks for the next three seasons this year and 2022 and 2023, I'm actually pretty okay with that. And maybe I'm just a little bit crazy. But if that doesn't end up being the asking price, all the better for the New Orleans Saints or any team that maybe is able to make a move to try to get Russell Wilson out of Seattle. And it seems like this is another instance in which this is the quarterback that is initiating these trade talks, wants to be traded. That certainly works in the team's favor that are pursuing him, right? So we have to keep that in mind. Now, does this mean that the New Orleans Saints are going to have Russell Wilson next season? No, not at all. We have to keep this in perspective that this is an early, that these are early reports that sort of point to the Saints as a potential landing spot amongst a total of four teams. Don't forget the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Raiders, although New Orleans Saints, even Mina Kimes, <laughs> even Mina Kimes is the Seattle Seahawks. Superfan mentioned that the New Orleans Saints give them gives Russell Wilson really the only upgrade out of those teams. But those are four teams that are all named together in this report. And also keep in mind that this report is about landing destinations that have potential brought upon by, you know, Russell Wilson's camp, essentially saying these are the places that we would like to go. That's basically the idea, not necessarily that the Saints, the Dolphins, the Jets and the Raiders are actively in trade talks with the Seattle Seahawks. We'll have to wait to see whether or not that happens because it can. It just doesn't seem to be the news that's breaking at this time. That's all. So 
Obviously, we'll continue to watch this because you to see how it all goes down. Nothing probably happens without Drew Brees retiring first. That still has to be the first domino. You don't want to bury the lead on your franchise quarterback, all these other things. But in any case, going from Drew Brees to Russell Wilson seems to be going from some type of a wistful fantasy to potentially carrying some reality here, right? There's smoke all of a sudden. Now we just have to wait and see how it all plays out. All right, family, coming up next, going from one possible exciting acquisition for the New Orleans Saints to another Purdue wide receiver, Rondell Moore, met with the New Orleans Saints virtually amongst several other teams. He's going to be getting a lot of attention, but I'm glad to see that he's getting attention from the New Orleans Saints. He's not a fit prototypically, but we'll have some discussions about what that prototype actually looks like and how his non-prototypical build meets the prototype of a non-prototypical selection. It's a strange way to word it, but we'll talk about it more here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. And look, I certainly uh, don't have any type of a prototypical build when it comes to the mind that is required to repair vehicles. But thanks to rockauto.com, I certainly have the prototypical build necessary and the prototypical resource necessary to get all the parts and pieces that I need to at least help me out a little bit when it comes to spending money. Because the great thing about rockauto.com You jump on, make model year, you let them know what parts you need, then they give you several options that are all at a fraction of the price of what you might have to pay over at some of the brick and mortar stores around the corner. So I love being able to go to rockauto.com, search exactly what it is that I need, and then have several cheaper options because you pay the same price whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional, unlike at those stores. So it's a really, really fantastic resource and dare I say, the perfect prototype to help my non-prototypical self figure out how to take care of my vehicle in an adequate, prototypical way. So go and check them out, rockauto.com. Don't forget to let them know that we sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. family. We are rolling right along here on today's episode of Locked on Saints. I want to tell you about two quick conversations that we had over on the Locked on Presents More Than the Game podcast feed as we wrap up celebrating and honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports. We've got one on protests across leagues, what it looks like across leagues in sports, and then also another discussion on black history in sports. So all about what's been achieved and what important work is left to be done in both of these discussions over at Locked on Presents, the podcast feed. Subscribe on uh, the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, so let's continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Russell Wilson, the big news in the first segment, big news in the second segment for me uh, is Rondale Moore, the wide receiver out of Purdue. Our good friend Justin Mello connected him and about 20 other teams uh, that that uh, have shown some interest in Rondale Moore and have had some uh, pre-draft virtual conversations and meetings with. And Rondell Moore is not the usual prototype for the New Orleans Saints, but he is the usual prototype for the non-prototypical selection for the New Orleans Saints. So let's talk about what that means. So let's talk about what the prototype is first, because you've heard me talk a ton about prototypes in the draft and sort of builds that the Saints really like, fits, things like that. Let's define once again what that means, and then we'll use the exception to this rule as the reason why Rondell Moore could actually be a potential selection for the New Orleans Saints. And where he gets selected is going to depend on how free agency finishes up, how the pro days go, and then how the draft itself goes that day as well. He could be the fifth or sixth wide receiver off of the board, which means he could be early second round. He could be late first round. So something to keep in mind about where his draft position might be. 
and what the Saints could do if they fall in love with what he's going to bring. So let's talk about the prototype. So the prototype in terms of the average, the Saints have only drafted nine wide receivers over the last 15 years since 2006. And you could see from the very beginning, essentially, what that build was going to look at. You look at like Mike Haas, who was drafted in 2006 in the sixth round before the Saints selected Marcus Colston. Both of those guys over six foot one, over 210 pounds, right? That was really where this sort of build began, this prototypical build began for Sean Payton and his offense. You look at players after that, Robert Meacham, uh, Nick Toon, Kenny Stills, all these guys, six foot and one or above, 210 pounds or above. Then you saw it get a little bit lighter. You got uh, Kenny Stills at 202, Brandon Cooks at 183, who we'll continue to talk about. And then we move on to Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith. So with that being the case, the average amongst these guys in terms of height and weight when we talk about size is six foot one point seven, right? Six foot one and three quarter inches. So you could say six foot one, six foot two. And 206-ish pounds. The average is about 206.2 pounds. That's really where you are. Now, the other part of all of this is the dominator and target share that they have paid attention to throughout probably the draft process more than free agency, of course. But let's talk about both of those things. The target share is pretty simple. What is the percentage of targets you received up against the percentage of passes thrown on your team over the course of your career. That's really, really simple. Then you look at the dominator rating, which is essentially the same thing, but instead of targets, it's receiving yards and touchdowns. So how much did you contribute to the production of your collegiate team over your collegiate career? The average for the dominator rating is 35.5%, the highest on that being 48, I'm sorry, 41.8%, which was Robert Meacham, the lowest being 29.3%, which was Kenny Stills. And then the target share average is around a quarter of the targets going to this player over the course of their collegiate career, 25.5%. 27.5 is the high. That is also Robert Meacham. 21.6 is the low, which is also Kenny Stills. Now, the person that really breaks much of the size, which is kind of seems to be the most important part for the Saints because there's far less variance in size than there is in the dominator and target share ratings. Uh, is Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is the outlier when it comes to prototypical size, prototypical build. Cooks came into the NFL with his combine measurements essentially being five foot nine and three quarter inches. That's about where Rondale Moore is going to be. When he came in and out of high school, five foot nine, 174, he's now bulked up to 181. Uh, Brandon Cooks, when he came into the NFL and was drafted, he was at 183. He has now moved up to about 187. So really what you're looking at is two folks that are about the same, about 180 pounds, about five foot nine. So those two make a lot of sense. And with Brandon Cooks being the guy that really broke the prototype, broke the mold of what it is that the Saints looked at, one of the things that we have to find is what was it that was so special about him and see if Rondale Moore has that same thing that is so very special about him that would cause the Saints to say, this is another Brandon Cooks model, but maybe he can do a little bit more. Catch and run, can do some more underneath things, you know, a couple, maybe a more expansive route tree, I think you would say, for Rondale Moore in terms of what he was asked to do in Purdue's system versus what Brandon Cooks was asked to do in Oklahoma State system, right? Two very, very different types of offenses, one Big 12, one Big 10. Like, There's a, a lot of big differences here. Uh, but when you look at the dominator rating and the target share percentage, which shout out to Dylan Sanders for sending this over to me, uh, Brandon Cook's 36.7% dominator, Rondale Moore, 38.9%. So he's above Brandon Cook's there. And then they're pretty close in terms of target share. Brandon Cook's collegiate target share being 29%. Rondale Moore is being 26.9%. 
But remember, Rondell Moore also opted out of a portion of the college football season in his final year. So something to consider there. Now, what is it that made Brandon Cook so special? What made Brandon Cook so special is he was fast as hell. He had world-class speed, 4-3-3-40. He was also explosive with a 36-inch vertical leap. Does Rondell Moore or will Rondell Moore hit those numbers going into the NFL? There is speculation that the expectation for Rondell Moore is to run in the four threes, somewhere in there. When he was coming out of high school and he was going in, according to ESPN, he ran a 4-3-3, the exact same 40 time as Brandon Cooks. Now we'll have to see what that looks like going into the NFL at his pro day. Now, in terms of the vertical leap and in terms of explosion, which is more, it is very much about being able to jump high, yes, but it's also about explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, things like that. Uh, he jumped 42.7 inches in his vertical coming out of high school. So I think he might be able to match that 36 inch vert pretty easily, considering he also squats 600 pounds at five foot nine and already went viral earlier this year with a vertical workout that he was able to accomplish that just looked ridiculous. I mean, bunnies, big time bunnies. So Rondell Moore is the classic non-prototypical prototype for the New Orleans Saints in terms of where the Saints have broken the mold before at this position in the draft. Rondell Moore should be able to meet all of the necessary requisites to be able to break the mold himself. Somebody to keep an eye out on in this year's draft. Gonna have to wait just a moment to get a look at Rondell Moore's pro day numbers. Remember, no combine this year. So his pro day for Purdue is going to be on March 23rd. So we're a little bit under a month away now from him doing that. But we're only seconds away from getting started with our third segment, which is our top three Thursday, top three player trades for the New Orleans Saints in the Sean Payton era. Gotta do it. Gotta do it with all this trade talk in the air. Let's have a little fun. We've got that coming up for you next here on Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And with all of this trade talk around Russell Wilson, you best believe that betonline.ag is going to have some odds up soon about where he's going to end up. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. There's still a lot of futures, still a whole bunch of weekly specials as well going on with the NFL, but you've also got NBA, college basketball, NHL, and MLB right around the corner. Everything is real-time updated. All of these odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bet. And best of all, it's free to sign up at betonline.ag. Just head over to the website, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit by using the promo code LOCKED ON. That's LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, all caps, for that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All one word as well LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, at betonline.ag. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get it. Huda Nation Thursdays over at Locked on NFL are a must listen with Ryan Tracy and Jake Lisko as they break down teams across the NFL from an analytics and team building perspective. So go and check them out every Thursday by subscribing to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So we're wrapping up today's episode with a quick segment for our top three Thursday. Almost messed that up. Top three Thursday. Uh, jumping into our conversation about the top three player trades for the New Orleans Saints. Now, I, I was really specific about saying player trades because I'm not talking about just draft day trades. These might be 
picks to where the Saints either sent a player or draft picks to receive a player or draft picks, but it has to have a player involved as opposed to just moving up or down in the draft. So let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, Let's go with number three. I've got the Saints trading for Teddy Bridgewater. Now, this one was a more recent one, so it might maybe feel like a little bit more of a recency bias thing, but I also do believe that this was a good move by the New Orleans Saints. And of course, all the Saints ended up trading in order to get that done was a third round pick. And in return, they got Teddy Bridgewater as well as a sixth round pick that became for the next year, Saquon Hampton. Saquon Hampton, of course, has dealt with injuries throughout his career. Tough to really evaluate what that pick had value, but it doesn't really matter because Teddy Bridgewater's value was so unique to the New Orleans Saints because he was immediately a brand new just sort of source of joy for the New Orleans Saints in terms of his presence in the locker room, his presence within the community. So there's sort of the uh, intangible that he brought. But then he also went 5-0 and without Drew Brees the very next year after the Saints retained him. So that was a really important next step for that in terms of quantifying how important that trade is. Unfortunately, they couldn't get him to stay anymore after that, but then he went on to the Carolina Panthers to get a starting position a year after, making $21 million per year there. He might be on the move here soon, but regardless, this was a really good move for the Saints, just moving on from a third round pick that I'm not even sure who that ended up becoming, if I'm being entirely honest. Next up, we'll take a look at number two. It's the Jimmy Graham trade. The Saints trade Jimmy Graham for Max Unger and a first round pick. Now, unfortunately, that first round pick turned into Stefan Anthony, who turned out to be a little bit of a first round bust, having some issues picking up the uh, picking up the the playbook later on in his career. He had a great rookie season, though, and even looked kind of okay his second season. It was just after that he kind of fell off. He ended up finding his way back to New Orleans as recent as uh, this past season, or maybe the season before that, where he was at least there for special teams for a bit. So, you know, there's that, but he's still in the league. But really, the the meat of this trade comes down to Jimmy Graham for Max Unger, and then just the value of also picking up a first round pick, pick 31 overall in that instance. Max Unger went on to allow only four sacks over his first three seasons with the New Orleans Saints. He did allow four in his final year in 2018, but still made the Pro Bowl in 2018 before retiring. Max Unger, of course, a stalwart for a very, very effective offensive line for those four years and beyond. And, you know, look, that offensive line has picked up enough of a reputation over time that it's probably one of the biggest reasons that Russell Wilson wants to get traded to New Orleans, right? Or, or, or at least the camp acknowledges New Orleans as a potential uh, desired destination because while Russell Wilson has been sacked 394 times since 2012, Drew Brees was sacked only 212 times in that same range. Russell Wilson, by the way, just to get back onto this for just a moment, has been sacked enough times from 2012 to 2020 that if you add the 2011 and 2010 years, he still has been sacked the most since 2010. So you can add another two seasons there. You got to get to 2009 2009 before he's actually second on that list. So kind of wild. Anyway, let's look at the number one trade, in my opinion, for the New Orleans Saints. This was the Saints trading away. Brent, And of course, these are player trades only in the Sean Payton era since 2006. The Saints trading Brandon Cooks and a fourth round pick to New England for a first and a third. That first and third in 2017, the year after, became Ryan Ramchek, Trey Hendrickson. This really is threefold for me, um, fourfold even. Brandon Cooks uh, didn't, the personality issues, some of the things that were going on with him, and you know he wanted the ball, Michael Thomas was there now, all these other things. It, even You know what? It's fivefold. It eliminated the attitude issue that the Saints were dealing with. Let me not call it an attitude issue. That's really diminishing. I'll call it the uh, a difference in creative choices. 
uh, between the player and the team. Uh, it also ended up being one of the few trades that I think you can point to and say, haha, New England actually lost that trade. Uh, that doesn't happen too often outside of the second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. It opened the door for Michael Thomas to become Michael Thomas, right? I think he was going to become Michael Thomas no matter who was opposite him, but it definitely opened the door for him to be the number one guy in the offense, and he's made good on that. And then you have both Ryan Ramchek and Trey Hendrickson. Those are the five points that I say the Saints won this trade, and it is the best trade, player trade, of the Sean Payton era with the New Orleans Saints. Ryan Ramchick is the best player on your team and has been for the past couple of years now. And then you have Trey Hendrickson, who just put together a 13 and a half sack season. Maybe he'll be able to con- to continue that production. Maybe it'll be on another team. But you know what? He helps you uh, put together a defense that got you to the playoffs four years in a row. So at least he played a role in that. And particularly his role in 2020, completely worth it. Uh, and even without Trey Hendrickson, I think the Saints still win this trade because you got Ryan Ramchek, you beat Bill Belichick, and you open the door for Michael Thomas to develop into what he has developed into. So this, to me, is the number one player trade for me in the Sean Payton era for the New Orleans Saints. Brandon Cooks on a fourth to New England for a first and a third that became Ryan Ramchek and Trey Hendrickson. All right, y'all, anything that I missed? If so, let me know either over at the Locked On Saints Facebook group or on Twitter at Ross Jackson. NOLA will also be live over at the Locked On Facebook group later on today to do our show live for Friday as well as get your questions for Facebook Friday. So if you're not a part of it, make sure you go and join facebook.com slash group slash Locked On Saints and we'll be live later on on Thursday. I appreciate y'all as always for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're momming them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust You That Nation. I'll holla at you.